Hello loves, Danielle Goley here, your host of Design to Awaken podcast. I'm your life purpose coach, empathic intuitive, and human design expert. I'm passionate about all things personal growth and development, spirituality, holistic well-being, relationships, and living with purpose and intention while being of service to others and the world. I'm a small town girl from North Central Montana who loves her family and community, who took a leap of faith and stepped outside of the status quo and left my professional career as Director of Public Health and began my personal journey of spiritual awakening and aligning with my soul's purpose. I'm here now to share personal experiences, lessons, failures, and what I have discovered along my own personal journey on this thing that we call life. Are you ready to be vulnerable in a space that's safe and begin celebrating your own authentic self? Awesome! Then pull up a seat, grab a cup of tea or your favorite thing to sip on, and let's talk all things. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose in the world? This is the Design to Awaken podcast. Welcome to today's episode. I am really excited to have this conversation with a dear, dear friend of mine, Charity Goodwin. You are in for a treat. So Charity is a pastor, author, certified coach, and speaker. She is a mom, and she also has suffered panic attacks, body breakdown from stress and anxiety. Charity's continual journey is to honor and navigate feelings and in her place of life. Charity is here to help you do the same. Reverend Charity Goodwin holds the view that faith is to be practiced, not just believed. As a follower of Jesus and minister of the gospel, her first ministry is as a mom to Gabriel and Levi. Charity is an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. In addition to her role as pastor of spiritual formation and groups at the gathering, she speaks, preaches, and facilitates workshops on leadership, emotional intelligence, vulnerability, and courage for Christians, institutions, or organizations. With degrees in journalism and divinity, she strengthens her ministry within and beyond the walls of the church with credentials as a facilitator of Brene Brown's research, a coach, practitioner, and assessor of emotional intelligence. She has spoken both large and intimate groups in person, virtually, and on podcasts. Charity is author of Get Up, Unearthing Your Passion and Taking Brave Action in 50 Days, and its facilitator guide, which she co-wrote with her mentor, Brittany Radford. Charity writes a weekly newsletter and blog. I'm excited to have you join me today, Charity. Welcome, welcome. Hey, friend. Happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. So we have known each other. We just talked about this yesterday because we had a share on my social media that five years ago yesterday from the recording that we were on stage speaking to hundreds of other women who are also building businesses around the world. So we actually met in a business coaching community to support us in facilitating and growing our business. And I can't believe how (laughs) life was then and how it is today. Right. Oh my gosh. Hot mess then. (laughs) 
Yeah, that that's a that's a pretty fair statement, Finish right? Me. I don't know what I was doing, trying to figure it out. Yeah, giving it a go, being brave, just you know, just trying to make action steps, you know. But yeah, <laughs> definitely being brave. So, can you share a little bit more about you know your personal journey to becoming a a pastor, you know, and also an emotional intelligence mentor and coach? Sure. Yeah. So I guess the journey to pastor uh, started, <laughs> uh, let's just say, I'll, I'll say it this way first. Most people who uh, join ministry, they their first answer is typically no, like not doing that. No, thank you. Appreciate the consideration. Right. So um, with that said, uh, I just had a series of dreams um, when I was in college. Um, I did five years. I, so my, I tell people my first senior year, <laughs> um, I was having these dreams that I was standing in front of a group of people preaching and all of a sudden, like everyone in the room would shift forward, you know, like lean in to listen and I would wake up. And so this dream just kind of kept coming back. And for me, it was sort of a knowing that there was something else for me to do and uh, which was ministry, which I was always involved in ministry, but my main goal in life uh, since I was in fourth grade was to be a journalist. And so <laughs> this didn't quite line up, you know, with what I, where I thought I was going to be. Uh, and yet after serving at some pretty prestigious papers uh, with internships and, and jobs after a while, uh, it was just really clear that instead of reporting news that had already happened, you know, and I was really called to support people in in sort of navigating what what it means to have good news in their life, right? Inspiration, this the news that comes from from scripture, from Jesus, and uh, so I often joke and say I went from reporting the bad news to preaching the good news. Mm. Oh, I love that, and I also love how you were saying the call, right? And you were having dreams and visions. And you were like, no, that's, that doesn't feel like, no, I'm, I'm not putting my hand up for that situation quite yet. However, as you continue to navigate in your life that you just couldn't quite shake that calling. And that's, I hear that so much in my personal experience as well, where we just have this calling and this knowing. And you're like you said, a lot of times it's no at first because you know, it, it's scary because our calling generally takes us from what we know is normal or it really just kind of takes us out of our expectation. Yeah, yeah, it definitely moves us beyond, you know, I sometimes I like to say, you know, our calling or or even simply trying to grow in our faith, you know, should take us to the edge of our faith, right? Um, sometimes we are, play it safe, right? We're in the comfort zone space. And just outside of that is that place of growth. It's the place um, where we can see see more of who we're created to be, see more of who God is. And so it takes faith, it takes courage, it takes risk. And yeah, those are things that we don't always, we're not always ready for. Um, and yet we're never really ready. I think we just, you know, action brings clarity. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I, I'm the person who will take action, not knowing what all it's going to mean, but let me go ahead and do this, you know, take this step and see what, what will happen. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, I totally agree. Like the saying no initially, but also having community that spoke into me, you know, community that affirmed, you know, this calling me confirmed it and even gave me space to wrestle with it. And so grateful for like, you know, we have these internal things happening, but there's also this external you know, community that supports us and identifying, naming what we understand to be something that maybe God is calling us into. That community is definitely very important to be able to help us. Well, for me, it was I had to be alone, but that community was still my 
my connection to divine God, source and spirit, you know, so I feel like community can represent a lot of different things. But you know, it's our physical as well as our spiritual connection and trusting. And that's why it's important to have a connection with whatever spirituality looks like for for the individual. And as well as as being able to navigate and like you said, take action because clarity only comes from action. And I say that as well in the work that I do, you know, I have a strong intuition, but ultimately I, if I don't do anything with that intuition, I can just sit in there and hope it's accurate, but if I will never really trust it and grow with it unless I take action. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little about the emotional intelligence aspect. How did that come about in your in your life as a, you know, mom, pastor, mentor? Sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of times the thing that we need, we we learn more about. So uh, I would I'm not sitting here as an expert. Rather, what I like to say is a practitioner, and I'm a practitioner because I'm still practicing this all the time, and that's really what I believe faith to be, as well as EQ. So for me, Danielle, in 2013, I had a, I had my first panic attack. I didn't know it was panic attack. I even denied that it was such after the fact. (laughs) And I even give it now a pretty name because it's sometimes even hard to admit that um, that's what happened at that time. But um, now I call it an emotional heart attack. Um, The story goes that I was I was home. I had dropped the boys off to to daycare and all that. My youngest son was born in 2013, um, so he was still little. And then my older son was about two or so. Dropped him off to daycare, and it's a Friday, my day off. I come home. I'm like, great, I'm going to hit some garage sales and estate sales. I did have therapy every Friday, so I was like, going to do that and then do all these other things I have planned for myself before, you know, having to pick them up and do all the things over the weekend. And I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom to get ready to leave out again. I had this sharp, sharp pain in my back. It like, it pushed me over. Like I like held myself up over the sink. I was like, what in the world was that? It went away. And so I finished brushing my teeth and went on downstairs so I get ready to go because <laughs> it was a weekend and it was my day off. Uh, at the time I was serving two churches and um, it was just a lot happening. So I'm like, let me go ahead and you know, go ahead and enjoy my week. Well, the pain came back. I remember sitting on my red microfiber couch and I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, is this a stroke? Am I having a heart attack? I did not know, but it was relentless pain. And I, I'm one of these people where I, was, I often will say, I have a high tolerance for pain. So this was significant for me. I called my then husband uh, numerous times and he had not left the house that long, um, but he never picked up. And I thought, what if I'm about to die and no one's going to find me until five o'clock, you know, when everybody gets off work. So for the first time in my life, I called 911. The EMT show up, uh, long story short, Everything they checked looked good. I finally was breathing, you know, like with a with a normal breath because, you know, all of that had, I was heightened. All of my senses and body was, you know, tense and moving quickly. And I finally was slowing down my breathing. And this one EMT, I didn't see him, but I heard him say, ma'am, is it possible you're under some stress? And uh, I tell people that I say sometimes the last thing that God is saving on my, in me is my mouth. And like, I just wanted to cuss him out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> 
like absolutely i'm stressed like what you mean um i didn't respond that way but all the things were in my head but i was serving two churches i had two small boys as you as i mentioned one of them had just been diagnosed with autism um my marriage was trying to figure out what it what it what does this all mean now as we you know live and parent all of this together there was a lot of stress and instead of dealing with the stress that i had i typically then just push it down and keep moving right oh, it'll, it'll be fine. Let me just move on to the next thing or let me get this to-do list done. And Brene Brown says it well, right? Our bodies get first crack at our emotions. I had so much going on that I just didn't deal with it, but my body was dealing with it. You know, it was feeling it. And this particular day, it all, you know, resurrected, if you will. <laughs> so that's how it started, Danielle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love how you call it now an emotional heart attack. Mm-hmm. The emo. You know, our physical body absolutely will give us signs. It'll give us many, many quiet signs, and then they get a little louder and a little louder because, you know, if we're ignoring them or pushing them down or, or keeping so busy that we aren't even recognizing them, our body will get to a point where it's like, okay, something has to give and I'm going to get your attention. And when you were talking about, you know, brushing your teeth and you had this feeling in your back that literally pushed you forward. For me, it almost felt like spirit saying, I'm going to give you a shove. I'm going to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You're not the first person to share how something major has to get our attention before we say, oh, oops, I, I guess I've been missing or overlooking that or actually not wanting to address it. Right. And, you know, talking about spiritual awakening and aligning with ourselves, a lot of times that can be that first wake-up call. Would you say that was a wake-up call for you? Absolutely. Um, absolutely a wake-up call. Yeah, from there, I really, you know, began to tend to my emotional self, which includes attending to one's bodily self, right? Because like you said, the body uh, knows, you know, there's a whole book, right? The body keeps score. The body knows and it's our, it's incumbent on us to pay attention and to notice, to know ourselves and our body well enough to know when there are changes or when there are those small signs, if you will. And so that required me to get quiet, to pay attention and so I spent quite a bit of time the first year or so after that really focused on quiet quietness, really, and contemplation. I was so big on, you know, getting things done and the moving, the shaking, you know, I'm good at what I do and all those things, really outwardly focused, you know, hustling for my worthiness is sometimes it's referred to. And so I really had to learn and practice what does it mean to you know, sit still. And in and in the sitting, I am enough. No matter what I get done or, or not done in the rest of the day, if I wake up and I'm breathing, you know, God sees me and calls me beloved. Like God says, you are enough. Like all the things that you'll accomplish in the day are great, but they're not the thing that makes you worthy or beautiful or loved. And so uh, it has and continues, right, to be the practice, to remember and to affirm that silence was part of my journey. And then learning what it means to be emotionally intelligent. I became a student of emotional intelligence uh, and then later a practitioner. And EQ um, is one way we talk about it. A short word, EQ or EI, is uh, simply means being smarter with feelings. And it sounds oxymoronic when <laughs> a person like me, you know, I used to tell people I have three, I had three emotions, 
happy, sad, and pissed off. And so when you say be smarter with feelings, I'm like, well, what all the feelings are you talking about? Because I know three. (laughs) And so I had to learn that there are like lots of emotions, um, that you can experience um, multiple emotions at one time, and that they're not good or bad. They're neutral. They're information, right? They give you some data like, hey, I felt something here. I might need to pay attention to that. Maybe there's more to explore, right? And so these are the things that have really, I believe, shaped me as a person, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as part of my own personal formation, um, as well as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. And, and emotional intelligence is something that I personally also had to contemplate as as a professional woman as well, you know, being told to always have a smile on your face, always be optimistic, which I am an optimistic person by nature, but not giving myself or feeling like I had the permission to feel other emotions other than happiness and joy. I, I shared the story about the time, the moment that I realized that I was not allowing myself to feel the different emotions was after my mom passed and I couldn't cry and how I always thought I was happy or felt joy. But I, I realized after I started really addressing my emotional intelligence that I truly never did feel joy because I wasn't allowing myself to feel sadness and grief or, or all the other emotions that are on the spectrum you can't truly know joy without feeling sadness. That's why I believe God divine spirit puts us in or not really puts us here. We get a choice. We have free will. But I believe that's why we get the call to say, hey, would you like to go be in a physical vessel? Because this is your opportunity to feel the full array of emotions mm. as much as it's uncomfortable because it surely can be. If we don't put ourselves in a, a space where we're open to being vulnerable to feeling sadness, grief, shame, hurt. How can we truly feel joy, light, love, and compassion? As mm, well said. Thank you. So you, you talked about, you know, your spiritual formation, just you said the word, but I'd love to hear more about what does that look like for you, you know, and how does that connect to being more emotionally intelligent? Sure. So for me, there are people talking about this now. I didn't, I don't know if they were talking about it when I was going through it. And so like, you know, now on the back end, it's like super helpful language. There's one author, for example, uh, example, Peter Scazzaro, and he talks about emotionally healthy spirituality. And one of the things he's known for saying is that we basically, that we cannot be spiritually mature without being emotionally mature. I think growing up and like the flavors of Christianity I had seen or experienced, you know, knowing the Bible and things like that were really important. And, you know, you can know and recite a lot of things, but can you manage, you know, a hard conversation? (laughs) Um, Or can you, you know, are you dealing with the emotions that you are feeling? And those are things that I didn't necessarily learn. And so I had to yeah, I had to get on this journey. And so what I see now is in EQ, for example, um, in one model, we talk about um, three components, know yourself, choose yourself, give yourself. Other people, sometimes you hear people talk about thinking, feeling, and doing, or there's cognitive, right? Like your head space, your heart space, and your 
um, hands, right? Head, heart, and hands. And so there are lots of ways I know we can talk about sort of how how humanity is made up. But if we look at those three as sort of a basis, I begin to see that there is there is a need here in the formation, in the becoming more like Jesus, that we acknowledge the heart space. I think sometimes Christianity can be boiled down to people assenting to beliefs, like people being able to say what they know and think, and that that is what it is. It's like what it's all about belief. Um, And then I think in other instances, there can be, you know, camps, if you will, uh, who really value what people do in the world, right? Mission. Um, And when I mean mission, I mean like serving other people, um, not necessarily like conquering them or anything um, so that they become, you know, believers like you or anything like that, but like that just the serving aspect and part of community and all of that is good. I think it's important to have the heart space where we begin to say like, you know, one, how does this make you feel? Or how does, how might what you're doing make other people feel? Is this all about you or is this about them? You know, there are lots of questions um, around the heart space, around the emotional space that I think get get um, eliminated, right? Or omitted. And oftentimes, you know, people will say that, you know, feelings are even the opposite of faith. And I really believe that all three together, faith, feelings, actions, faith, uh, I mean, I should say a uh, head, heart, and hands, know yourself, choose yourself, give yourself, thinking, feeling, doing that they're all part of what it means to be whole people, right? W-H- O-L-E. And to be whole in scripture, there's a talk, you know, you hear people talk about being saved in a Christian space. Um, salvation means wholeness. If you look at the Greek root word of it. And so I think there is a wholeness that is needed more than what I believe and what I do, but it's also what I feel and how I navigate that. And that's what I'm hoping to bring to you know, Christian institutions, Christian leaders, supporting people to have a more whole or even abundant life. I'm just totally drinking in all of that beautiful wisdom. The thing that's resonating a lot with me personally right now is the know yourself, choose yourself, give yourself mm-hmm. that you were talking about, which equals wholeness, the likeness of Jesus. For my own personal awakening and spiritual journey, it really has been the know yourself first, right? You know, we have so much programming and conditioning that we are living in, which not right or wrong, it just is part of this human experience. And the more that I dive into my own know myself through different modalities, contemplation, understanding, and vulnerability, the more that I am able to choose myself and choose myself in my own authentic alignment. And then through that ability, I feel like I can truly give of myself. And that's definitely a direct link to my own spiritual awakening and Jesus being a major guide of mine. During my spiritual awakening, the very first message that I remember receiving was to reevaluate my belief in Jesus for the fact that growing up, I had a perception of people that identify self-identifying as Christians. And I'll be honest, when I was younger, I felt like they were the most hypocritical people that I had ever met. And I didn't like that because I didn't see or feel their heart space open. And I do definitely feel a, a, a massive shift around what it means to be a believer, to have faith, to have spirituality, to have connection to divine God, soul, or spirit, Jesus. I believe it 
in my belief, it is all about reconnecting to our individual heart space because I believe that's what Jesus stands for, Mm. is that unconditional love. And to know yourself, to choose yourself, to give yourself. But again, it all starts with being open in our heart to receiving all of that divine wisdom. Does that make sense, I guess? Sure. Um, Yeah, I definitely think the heart space is important, right? It's paramount. You know, Jesus is love. um, And so it's not just the, how do I want to put it, you know, the squishy kind of love, you know, (laughs) you know, the Valentine's-y kind of love, right? It is this call to have love be a, the value, right? The, The value, a value by which you live and make decisions. And so I might say to have then Jesus, Jesus be some in Christian circles sometimes you might say the plumb line, right? Like the the standard by which I live, I make decisions, ways that I am in community, etc., um, is by who Jesus is. And who Jesus is also, of course, continuing to call me to be, which is that formational part that we talked about, Danielle, which is becoming more like him. And so for me, yeah, this EQ space has been salvific. It has been salvation to my very life. I don't know health-wise, like if I would be here, if I had not learned to figure out to practice EQ, yeah, and to allow myself to be open to, allow my heart to be open, you know, to learning, to growing, to actually saying what I feel. You know, I used to use a feelings wheel. I still do on on occasion just to, you know, see all of the ways that all the emotions one can have and uh, not to, like I said, not to make them better or worse than any other emotion or pit them against each other. That was, these have been significant learnings for me. Yeah, that's, that's been part of what my awakening has been. And it's what I'm, like I said, I'm hoping to bring to places that I get to serve and support through all the ways that I do that speaking and podcasts and all things, books, whatever, but just really bringing in a new lens through which to look at perhaps something that we have only had pretty pretty flat. You know, it's not been three dimensional. (laughs) Uh, We've looked at perhaps life and faith very in a flat way. And so hopefully this third lens gives us a little bit more to see. I like that third lens and how you described it's been flat. When we do become more open to the whole gamut of feelings, you know, like you're talking about this feelings, Will, you were talking in the very beginning how you felt like I, think, I can't remember exactly what emotions, happy, anger, and... Yeah, happy, sad, and pissed off. <laughs> yeah, happy, sad, pissed off. You know, those were the... You're like, well, what other emotions are there? And that is so true, especially in in society. There isn't a whole lot of other emotions that we are even talked about or encouraged to feel or, you know, men in general are are only allowed to feel angry. And that's why we see such a toxic masculine energy, which is shifting. And there's a lot of people doing out some amazing work around that. And I'm so grateful. And women, just like us, is like, always have a smile on, you know, don't ask for help. It's just keep going. And we wonder why everybody is feeling so overwhelmed, disconnected from their mind, body and spirit, when we're not even sure what we're allowed to connect with. Um, And so that new lens of giving a information sharing that there is more depth to our emotional being and to be given permission to start to explore that. Because again, as you shared, as well as myself, 
when we are allowing ourselves to explore the whole vastness of what we feel in a space that is non-judgmental, it's more loving ourselves for what we're feeling, having a community of people that are also willing to be like, okay, what are you feeling? We can grow in that. And then we actually can truly, I always say this, I truly now feel bliss. I truly can feel happiness. And believe me, I feel sadness, but I I can understand and have gratitude for that time because I know that I truly know the other, the light and the dark of it. It's a more whole experience as as a human in this in this reality. Yes. Yeah, I think this wholeness is there's just something to it, you know. I think there is there's so much more possibility. Um, and for people to see themselves, like you said, just to see oneself more inclusive, right? The 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 breadth of who we are. But yeah, th- this wholeness is needed. And I really believe that it's the call, you know, of the church, it's the call of humanity uh, to be whole people. And we are, we just don't always live it out. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, we can tend to focus on one, some other aspect instead of all of the whole of who we are. So, oh, you were mentioning mind, body, and spirit, um, and the role of, of the body in all of this, you know, that's been another sort of journey and, um, moving into even a newer journey around body right now, but this just being able to know where things are in the body, right? Like where does happiness tend to well up in me? or joy? Where does grief tend to sit? And really being able to, you know, do those body scans and to pay attention to what's happening in me has been almost like revolutionary. Um, Because when I don't have the words, I'm learning to trust my body, right? That it, it does know and that it has been taking care of, of me through everything, right? From trauma to to bliss, as you mentioned, right? Like, so really paying attention and, and being grateful um, for my body for doing those things for me. And then really hoping and seeking, not in some, sometimes people, there are some critiques, right? Like body positivity and other things, but simply for me, it's a, how do I offer back, you know, self-compassion and gratitude for what the body has supported me in, the things that I couldn't handle at times that the body absorbed and then later gave me an opportunity to deal with. All of that, I think, again, all part of this whole journey. And sometimes, you know, in in traditional circles, traditional Christian circles, you know, our view of the body is can also be negative, right? So there's a negative view of feelings, like you have these feelings and you're not trusting God and you're not faithful, you know, to spend too much time on the body could be, you know, vain or that worldly or all these other things. And so like, how do we reclaim the heart space? How do we reclaim the body and all of these things as sacred, as holy, as part of the journey of formation, the journey of becoming more like Jesus? I mean, gosh, you know, when we begin to talk about Jesus, you know, being on earth, that was $10 word is incarnation, right? To, to be made in the flesh. And so body stuff is important. You know, his death was bodily. Like there is a lot that I think we Maybe sometimes just like, oh, well, that's a Jesus story, you know, but for us, it's important too. like body was critical to who he is and who he was like, we need to pay attention to that. And so I think there are just some, some ways that we, the, we, for me are Christians in an organized, you know, sort of religion, stepping back and making some new observations. And then if need be apologizing and then going forward, you know, to share new information, right. And invite people into, uh, a greater awareness. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And again, 
I feel like that's been part of the journey of religion as well as spirituality is that disconnection from body. Because again, if we're disconnected from our body and our body awareness, then we truly are disconnecting from our true divinity, which for me is, you know, intuition, soul, because our soul was in this physical body. And if we're not connected in the physical body, how can we truly be of service? How can we truly be navigating this this incarnation that is a gift? For me, during my studies of traditional Chinese medicine, I really got to understand the emotional aspect and the connection to the physical body and how it's it's really it gives us a window into maybe what is at dis-ease in our mental body and our spiritual body through the physical body and how every emotion is actually linked to a specific organ in the body. So I liked how you were talking about, you know, I might not be able to identify what emotion I'm feeling, but if I if I have body awareness and listen to my body, it will give me a clue to potentially what am I feeling? What am, what am I meant to witness? And if we can share that and get people more connected to their physical body in a way that is not shaming it, but also honoring it, we can actually support our our well-being on all aspects. You know, the, the liver, we have so much liver dis-ease, in, especially in Western culture, because that's the house of anger. You know, we can have either too much anger or we can repress the anger. And then it causes dysfunction within our liver. The heart, you were talking about, the heart is joy and happiness. And if we are suppressing joy and not allowing ourselves to feel joy, we're going to have that emotional heart attack or even a physical heart attack. You know, grief, the lungs, there's there's so much wisdom within our body that comes from spirit. And so it's, it is about reconnecting, reclaiming our physical attributes that we are a physical entity with a spiritual calling is how I'm I'm kind of feeling it for what you sharing I don't know what the listeners are thinking right now but I'm I'm here for the podcast episode around um body and its connection to to the emotions like you were just starting to name like I I I think that's an episode you got to do because <laughs> I would love I would be I would be listening in and taking notes on that one We will definitely do that thank you Love it love it love it Yeah. So just, again, I love this whole conversation of how our emotional intelligence, it is so connected to our spirituality, so connected to our wholeness that give our listeners any tangible things that they can do today to support them increasing their emotional intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing uh, would be continue to cultivate an emotional vocabulary. And so instead of the, you know, happy, sad, and pissed off being the only things you know, have other words. And so I do use a feelings wheel. I can send it the link over to you, Danielle, that the one that I particularly use, you can place in the show notes. It just really helped me to see, literally see the words and also the colors. It's not concentric. I'm not sure how I would describe the circles, um, but they get larger as they go out. So you start a small circle, then a medium, et cetera. And in each of the circles, there are colors. And so it helps me because sometimes I may not even know feeling or the word, but I might be like, I do feel kind of blue today, (laughs) you know, and I can look in the blue area and I'm like, oh, here's a word, you know, that 
helps me to give language to uh, what I'm feeling. So number one, I would say cultivate an emotional vocabulary and feelings wheels are great for supporting one in doing that. And then two, I would just, the noticing, you know, keeping a journal, um, noticing the emotions that are coming up for you, noticing how you risk, how you live into that emotion. So like um, we talk sometimes about noticing our patterns, right? So when I feel happy, um, do I always try to go eat ice cream? You know, like there's something about feeling happy and getting ice cream that goes together for me. Um, And so like to just pay attention to like, what do you do when you feel um, whatever an emotion is? And that can help you to just to begin to become aware. And that self-awareness, right, that's part of the know yourself is intricate to um, what it means to integral to what it means to practice emotional intelligence, right? It's integral in what it means to be whole. Integral meaning whole, whole, like a whole number, a whole integer, integration. So those are two things, two places I would start. Here's the other thing about like this whole sort of know yourself, choose yourself, give yourself model um, based on the six seconds international organization that teaches EQ, you know, when we get to places, when we get to the choose yourself and the give yourself, when we are making decisions, we're making decisions based on what we quote, know. So imagine that if you don't have, imagine if if you only have three words, three emotion words, when you're making decisions, you're making decisions with that as your information. And friends, when I begin to realize that, oh my goodness, like there's some, I like, I was using, I didn't have enough information to even make decisions on because I wasn't tapped in enough to know, you know, what I was feeling or how I respond to certain things when I feel a certain way. And so by really um, honing in on this, knowing myself, knowing my patterns, it allows us to make better decisions. It allows us to make intentional decisions, not just be on autopilot and default, right? It gives us that space to, to really think process. Sometimes I say even play with, right? Like, oh, let me just imagine, right? That's the place of optimism. What if I did this? You know, what what could that mean? Uh, what are all my options here? And so all of these are other types of competencies that fall under uh, EQ in uh, um, honing. So, but I do think there's a significant benefit to knowing yourself and just being able to name some of this stuff and your patterns. So those are the first two things I would say. Those are amazing tips places for anybody, you know, even if you've been on this emotional intelligence journey before, or if you're just beginning to really revisit or start that journey. And I will absolutely post that feeling will in the show notes, because it really is starting to cultivate that emotional vocabulary. Like you were saying, you know, it, when we're making a decision, it, we are always making a decision with the information and what we know in the moment. And so the more we can cultivate that and have more awareness, it will support all of us. And the more that we all can be emotionally intelligent as we're navigating and, and walking on this earth together, the better we are all going to be if we all can own our own emotional intelligence. And when we're interacting with others, be aware of what am I feeling? What are you feeling? Not reacting in a space 
without that understanding. So I so am grateful that you shared this. Where can our listeners connect with you more, you know, outside of this and they want to learn more about emotional intelligence or the other amazing things that you do in the world? Oh, thanks, Danielle. Um, well, my website is charitygoodwin.com. Everything I think that you need is there. Uh, I blog every week and so those are present and hopefully in the next week or so, you'll be able to also see episodes of my new podcast also on my on the website but you can always search where faith and feelings meet is the new pod for fun i started the podcast uh doing excerpts from my book uh, which is get up unearthing your passion and taking brave action in 50 days and uh, this has been it was a fun book to write because it's for the first time i was able to incorporate emotional intelligence in in like bible study right like how would i interpret a scripture based on eq and so you get a chance to journey with me with these sort of short inspirational podcast episodes and then every seventh day is an integration day uh, where i share more about eq and so that's another place where you can um, come hang out with me i guess one thing i was thinking about danielle you were talking about you know of course your your podcast around with the name around awakening right awaken this book is about get up it's about resurrection it's about someone actually waking up if you will so i hope that you know people will get get a benefit from that right there are places where we have had personal graves um graves perhaps that we've dug ourselves um sometimes graves that other people dig <laughs> for us so this is really for folks who are ready to you know, kind of enliven their dreams again, people who are tired of just sort of laying down and taking what they get and who are ready to be resurrected. And so as we're in this season of Lent um, leading into Easter, my big claim is that, you know, Jesus was resurrected and that wasn't just for Jesus, but that we can be raised up to, we can get up to. And so if you feel like that's something you need in your life, I think the podcast would be a great place to start or get the book. Absolutely. I personally have Charity's book, Get Up, and I highly recommend it. I will also put a link for that where you can get that as well as the website and your podcast and Charity, as always, I could sit and visit. We could have a conversation for hours and hours as we have many, many times. I am so grateful for you answering the call that you were receiving and having the courage and the bravery to continue moving forward because as we know, getting up every day is not always easy. Awakening and continuing to align move in the direction that our spirit is calling us is not always easy, but I always say it's the most fulfilling thing we'll ever do. And again, it was such a pleasure to have you here with us and the listeners and any last wisdom or anything last that you would like to share before we let our listeners go. Oh, last things. I mean, I think you're loved, right? Um, you're enough. You are beloved. Live into that reality and that truth every day. Mm, beautiful. You are beloved. And thank you to our listeners, and we will see you guys next time. Yay, we did it. We shared together in another Design to Awaken podcast episode. I would feel honored if you liked it to please rate and subscribe to the podcast so to never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Friday. Also, if you desire a place to take the conversation further, and you know you are with other like-minded souls who are ready to celebrate your awakening and support you in your own journey of living on purpose, 
Hop on over. Join my exclusive community on Facebook at Designed to Awaken. Or you can hit me up at DanielleGoley.com. This is Danielle signing off. See you next time. Much love.